0: podcast is part of the sports social podcast network
1: this episode of misery hunters is brought to you by paisley craft beer co paisley's number one and only craft beer venue you can sit in and take away and we've also just introduced a local delivery service so if you live in the remshire area and are looking for craft beer we can deliver the same day if you order before one o'clock next day delivery is well for any time after that minimum order is 20 pound Any orders over 60, you get free delivery. So, what are you waiting for? Go to paisleycraftbeer.com That's paisleycraftbeer.com Hello, you miserable bastards, and welcome to the Misery Hunters podcast. My name is Jamie Coburn, and joining me is Mark Jarden. Hello. And it's a return from one of our OGs, but which one is it? It's Craig Devine.
0: Collectively, everyone just went, ah.
1: Everyone went, oh, thank God it's not Ross. Um, I know know everybody loves Ross.
2: Best of luck to Ross and Sam on their VAR training. They're going to be running the, the control unit. So...
1: I mean, we can talk about place. VAR right now if you want, or do you want to talk about the Rangers
2: game? Uh, I don't want to talk about either of them. <laughs> uh,
1: I'm sure we can talk about both, but first of all, we'll talk about the Rangers game. I mean, it was always going to be a tough one. Uh, you did say, Mark, that Kamar Roof was going to score a few. He did. Yep. You even got praise yep. from a, social, a, a fantasy football fan.
0: Oh, that's you know, I was going to come on here and ask mm-hmm. who it was that said that. Mm-hmm. It was Mark. I couldn't mm-hmm. remember if it was you, Jamie, or if it was Mark, but I fuck mm-hmm. you. Just assume if it's you know, blown back in our faces,
2: it was probably me that said it. That's a fairly safe bet.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I think I'd, I'd predicted a Kenny Miller esque five goal haul. And um, when the third went in, I was 99% sure that five goals were coming. There was no doubt in my mind whatsoever. Um, but, you know, we managed to, to only let them score one in the second half, so that was good.
1: Mm.
2: It's a victory. You know, we can take we can take confidence from that and, you know, prepare for next week.
0: You only lost the second
2: half 2-0. only lost the first half 2-0.
1: I mean, if you played Rangers twice and you only lose 2-0 on both of them, they're not the worst results, so... You've got to take mm. positives.
2: It's good. I've, um, I, I do have a tendency sometimes, if we're bad, to drift out of games a wee bit towards the end. Oh, yeah. But I have never, never in a catalogue of terrible home games that I've seen, terrible away games that I've seen, I have never checked out of watching us to the same extent as I did in that second half. I didn't see Joe Aribos go, I didn't just say that on Twitter. For the, for the likes for the clout I literally missed Joe Aribo's score Because I was playing Wordle I didn't see the goal going And I had to ask the person I was sitting with If it was a good goal or not Because I just looked up and he was standing was it 20 a yards goal? out
0: I made a promise to myself I said if they score a fourth goal I'm leaving And then right before it went in I thought fuck I Just score so I can go home This is terrible
1: <laughs> and that, so, so it's your fault they scored the fourth Arebo heard you say just score and he went fuck it okay see you later Craig It's Dean fault. fault Jesus well hopefully that's the last we'll see of him um, unless Anik does something mental against Hibs and, you know you'll never rule that out um, was it a good goal Mark did they tell you it was a good goal? Yeah, I
2: watched I watched the highlights earlier on.
1: I watched the highlights as well, but, but actually it again. was a good time. Um,
2: I said if this sco- sco- score scored a fourth, I'm telling this off, and yeah. I did. I think a goal was real progress for us because for the first two goals, we gave Kamar Roof five yards of space inside the six-yard box. And for arebo's goal, we gave him that space just outside the box. So if we keep going as we're going, eventually by the end of the season, we might get to a point where we're only giving people space in their own half. But you know, I might be asking a bit much. Um, those first two goals, I will never get too upset about taking you know, a kind of minor pasting off either half of the old firm. It is what it is. You don't want it to happen. But if you're going to get pasted off someone, it's probably going to be one of them. It's fine. 4 0 in the scheme of things, as an actual result, it's not good. I don't accept it, but it's not its not the end of the world. But what I can't abide are, are those two first two goals just so unbelievably poor. Mm-hmm. You've, mm-hmm. Got, you've got one real job playing against Rangers. Everyone will accept the fact that we don't score. Everyone will accept the fact that we've got 20% of the ball. Everyone will accept the fact that Joe Aribo can shape one into the top bin from... 25 yards every now and then and you can't really do much to stop it other than tackle him or mark him but you you can't let the one centre forward on the pitch stand in literal yards of space on the edge of the six yard box and land crosses on his forehead it's just not acceptable I, I don't know how we got into a position once and let that happen I'm even more perplexed as to how we let it happen Twice Mm -hmm. First minute
0: Uh, If there's going to be a time that you let in If there's going to be a time that you let in Or give away two cheap goals Such as that You don't want it to be in the first minute Of the first half And in the last minute of the first half It's just two two awful times to give away a goal I think for the first one Half of the team were just sleeping Is Is it Jones that gets caught out? in the, the left hand side. Like, I can't mm-hmm. even remember Just the defense. They want to track back. Who
1: made the defensive error? I'm sure someone was supposed to follow the man and didn't, and yeah. and didn't shout out that he was still free for someone else or something that I can't remember. I think mm-hmm. Shawnessy that told Dunn to go to him, and then Dunn continued running with his man or something. That
2: I can't remember. The first one's the one where the the cross comes across from the right, and then. It misses everyone, but hits, I think, maybe Kent at the back. And Kent just lifts it back over onto to Roof's head. I think that's the first one. And Fraser is is playing piggy in the middle. He's under the first cross and nowhere near it. And then runs off of his man to try and close the second cross down without ever getting, out, ever getting anywhere near it. And it's just lobbed over him. And, and Shaughnessy is nowhere. That's a couple of, couple of poor games in a row for... For Shaughnessy, to be honest. And that's um, coming from the number one Shaughnessy podcast. Yeah, it it pains me to say it. The second one's pretty similar Marcus Fraser marking his own farts, just doing the square root of nothing on his own in the box, just letting centre forwards that have played, you know, good teams in England and the top flight in Belgium and scored from their own half in the Europa League just saying, why not have a wee free header from? six yards out because because why not Fraser's regression is, is, is kind of startling to be honest and I, you know I think there's some truth to he somehow ended up in a position where he was a right back and now he's not a right back and at one time he was a centre half and now he's not a centre half and I think to get the best out of Fraser you probably do need to play back three with him on the right and, and kind of let him do his his thing but we weren't playing well in that system and um, and he wasn't doing too well. I don't think it relates really history. I think for the majority of his time with us, he's been a, a real standout. I've had him near enough player of the player of the year for us a couple of times. It doesn't change that, but it doesn't look like it doesn't look like that player just now at all. And he's not been asked to do a job that's, you know, markedly different to that. We're playing a back four against a really attacking Rangers team where your back four are an actual back four. It's not we need Marcus Razor to cover 90 yards of turf. He's essentially a kind of wide centre-half in that back four and, and just there to try and stop stuff coming into the box. And if he's in the box, to mark players, and he, he did neither mm-hmm. all day.
1: We should maybe... Let's try not be completely negative, which is hard to say, but two standout performances from that match. I mean, Connor Ronan had a good game. Like, we're going to miss yeah. him big time next season if we don't replace him or... Um, Ho- hopefully Wills will agree to loan us maybe again, but I think they've got plans on either selling them or maybe a loan deal to someone a bit higher up in the, uh, like English football, but um, I thought Alex Grieve again was excellent when he came on Like
2: Yeah, he was a real handful.
1: It's the only time we really challenged like uh, the Rangers' goal was when he came on. Like I genuinely think he has to start against Hibs
0: I didn't actually see um Grieves attempt towards the end of the game, so obviously I got up and left as soon as the fourth goal <laughs> hit the back of the net. But a I saw what I had, it was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah,
2: good save from, from McGregor, kind of lashed from wide left, maybe just outside the box. I think, off the top of my head, I think that's it. I, I, you do need to balance it against the fact I think Rangers had chucked it at that point. You know, they had quarterfinals and semi finals and in league games and all the rest of it to. To think about, and I think their foot was was off the gas a bit by that point. But even then, it still takes someone to come on into a team of guys on our side who didn't look that up for it either, mm-hmm. and try and drive them on a bit. And I, I think I mentioned it last week. I'd watched um, a fair amount of the the first half of New Zealand's game that was shown live. Their their kind of last group game um, where they got to their, their playoff. I, mean, I can't remember who they were playing against. now some kind of um, small island nation that I can't remember off the top of my head but the um, Grieve started as a, a kind of wide forward and almost everything good that happened for New Zealand, winning free kicks to, to get them in for Chris Wood and for, for others um, pressing defenders who weren't particularly good on the ball, all of that was Grieve he, he was absolutely relentless he covered every blade of grass, he, he got battered and then got back up again and did it again the next time and just looked honestly just looks like a guy playing park football who absolutely loves it mm-hmm. and to be honest just now where you could probably question some of our commitment you could certainly question some of our composure I think you're right Jamie I think getting him in who's at the very least going to throw himself into stuff mm-hmm. and chase things right down and and, and just make things out of nothing I, I, would be, I would be playing him 100%
1: it reminds me a lot like Christian Dennis is, but Christian Dennis doesn't have the legs to do it for as long as Alex yeah. Grieve. And we've got Alex Grieve at, at this moment where he is trying to prove himself that he can make the, the jump to professional football, that he can be an international striker. So he's going to be powering through everything, like throwing himself at everything, winning challenges, getting kicked, getting everything, taking shots. We may as well use that while he's still doing it. Otherwise... You know, we don't look we don't use him, he gets frustrated, ask for a move elsewhere, and then they get the best out of him. Yeah, I'd, I think I'd was... go a step
0: further, I'd potentially look at giving him a, a longer term deal mm-hmm. now before it becomes too late and he does kick on after a full pre season. I think Goodwin when he was just before he left, you know that kind of interview he gave like five days before he left where yeah. really he promised he was going <laughs> to see it out I think he did mention that they were looking to tie Grieve down to a longer term deal unless I just totally made that oh, up
1: he de- they definitely said that there was that, um, that he came in and he was quite raw and uh, but they were they were really blown away with how much better they were than he they, they thought he was going to be
0: I think he's took a lot of people by surprise and they
1: said that there was already talks about a new contract and i'm hoping robinson continues that and the mm. new ceo as well which i think we can Oof. talk. should we talk about the new ceo should we talk about the top six um, top six <laughs> the bottom six uh, <laughs> the, <laughs> the post flip fixtures um we're up against manager managerless hibernian first and uh yeah. will they have a new manager bounce or
2: Sacked manager bounce. I did think that was interesting. The, the Kyle Gunn stat that had been uh, dragged up about the last, this will be the third time in a row that Hibs have sacked yeah. their manager and then shown up in Paisley <laughs> for the next game. True, yeah. So, like, yeah, so I think uh, David Gray's previous game as manager was against us in Paisley in one. Eddie May. Yeah. In mm-hmm. Eddie May, before when uh, I guess when Lennon. Or would Heckenbottom get binned, maybe? Mm-hmm. Is it when Heckenbottom get binned? Um I think so, yeah. It's hard to know what to to expect out of a Hibs team. I don't know if it would have been better or worse to have Maloney in the in the dugout. I think they're you know, I, I think they're you can draw some parallels to how we've been recently and, and to how they've been, but that's a manager who had an extra an extra couple of months, a full transfer window. And also, I think people were saying it was at three wins in 19, but two of those wins were against, or four wins, but two of those wins, three of the wins were Cove Rangers, Arbroath, and 10-man Motherwell. Arbroath
0: and then Motherwell, yeah. yeah. With
2: 10 men. Yeah, you're talking about one win in
0: 16 games. His, his major against.
1: downfall with that is yeah. the fact is they didn't replace Martin Boyle.
0: Was- yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I went back and watched the, the highlights for the, the last time. They were in Paisley when David Gray was in charge, and that was one that we escaped by a point from. Mm-hmm. I think it was Shaughnessy 87th minute or something, kind of stole us a point mm-hmm. back. Um, but I know what you mean. I don't really know what to expect on Saturday, because obviously there was that game in Paisley, and then we went through to Edinburgh and Beat Hubs, they should have really won that game if it wasn't for Jack Annick pulling out about 95 saves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm not really got any idea what type of team to expect, and to be perfectly honest, I wouldn't be against another one-all draw.
1: No, you definitely take a point there when you look at it. Um, I reckon I'm going to put my I'm going to put out there, and you can sound soundbite it whatever. Out the last five games, we're going to take nine points. Uh, That's I, I think it's ambitious. We're going to and. I, I, we're going to beat Hibs. We're going to beat St. Johnson. Big talk. Which I know, especially in Perth, where we fucking hate playing. But I reckon we'll beat them there as well. And then we'll beat Dundee. And we'll probably lose or draw against Livingston. Um, the Aberdeen one. Who knows? But I, I reckon out that the next five games we'll get nine points. We'll be safe. I think, for, he, me
0: it's, I think for me it's just potentially match whatever. St. Johnson do at the weekend and then I think it maybe all comes down to the, the game against St. Johnson, I think that's the following week isn't it
2: mm-hmm. Is Dundee
0: the um, midweeker? Is it, I think no I think Dundee's the 7th because I think I missed yeah, that Dundee's game
1: Dundee's the 7th, Livingston on the 11th and then Aberdeen on the
0: 15th Yeah, I honestly reckon if we match whatever St. Johnson do at the weekend and then if we take anything against them, then we're absolutely fine. I wouldn't quite say I'm looking over my shoulder too worried about it, but I think if we lose on Saturday and St. Johnson win the heads will start to go away yeah. but I'd fully expect
2: our approach to the next five games to be shit fest. Yeah. I, I don't I don't think we're gonna I don't think Robinson will be under any illusions that he's he's relying on goodwill a little bit, even at this kind of early stage. And I think he deserves it and, you know, we're well documented, but a shit run like that when we've got a tendency to get ahead of ourselves, you are relying on, you know, the the board to stick by you like they said they would in the face of, you know, mm-hmm. not, not a majority of fans, but the majority of the volume coming out of, of our fans being, you know, being particularly unhappy and, and kind of questioning things. So I don't think he's going to be un, under any any illusions as to, to what the minimum expectation is out of these games and I think he probably will be a bit more pragmatic than he has been.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And I think we'll I think we'll probably play a bit more defensively. You won't still rely on centre halves to pick up people in the six yard box and and all the rest of it. But I, I would be surprised to see his goal four three three for sure. Yeah I, I think I, I, that's I, a bit expensive. I, I, mm-hmm.
1: I reckon we're gonna see a return of the back three. And I know everybody's going to lose their fucking shit when it happens, but I I think we need to. We need to. Yeah, it doesn't produce the best of football, but like we're going to have to. We've been leaking goals, and the defense looks completely unorganized. We're going to return to this position where we can probably get the if we play the right players in the right position, we'll we'll probably get the best of them for the last few games. And I I generally don't. I don't know why I'm very optimistic, and I think I reckon we. I don't feel like we're facing relegation or play, the playoff spot, I don't think we're <laughs> going to be close to that I generally think we'll beat Hibbs. I, I don't, like I, I know the football under Maloney and wh- whatever has been said I don't think that the issues were fully on him I think Hibs have a, a few no. other issues that were just not resolved and the biggest thing of that was Martin Boyle And then, You lose
2: Boyle, Nisbet gets injured and Doidge has <laughs> been off it then you're relying a lot on a Norwegian teenager but I think they probably saw more and, and it's not entirely dissimilar to us being left with Grieve
1: mm-hmm.
2: at the turn of the year and we were lucky that that worked out the way it did we weren't far at all from Goodwin getting really found out in terms of 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 squad levels before he left um, I'm not going to call it luck you, you, know, you can't re- you can't rewrite history on it but we weren't far away from being in a similar kind of, of situation at that point and we are in a similar situation to to Hibbs now. Um, I, I I don't think we'll see, you know, the, the way we've been lining up where you've got Brophy or someone or Grieve in the middle with Henderson and Jones with license to play as a three and Ronan sitting behind them. I don't think we're going to see four players like that again in these kind of end, end of season games. I think we'd be more likely to maybe play Brophy and. And grieve with maybe Ronan behind them, mm. or you know maybe Brophy in front of say Ronan and Henderson, or or something similar. And then you really are just shit festing at the back and giving Goggett, and Power license to sit in front of sit in front of a back four. I don't know if Tanzer's going to be fit or if he's he's not. But you give your wing backs the chance to to do a bit of running about and, and do the rest, and just take the rest of the weak points. Out where I think we've been getting picked apart I mean Richard Tate has been so obviously Marked out mm-hmm. by, uh, by opposition in the last wee while um, It probably tells you yeah, it's, it's om- I'm not saying they're similar players But watching teams play against us just now It's almost like going back to To the water season Where you just knew every game mm-hmm. That's what teams were shaping up to do they were bullying us down one side and getting easy crosses in and it, it feels a bit like that it's now and it's a shame because Tate's a player that I've really liked for for the majority of his time with it's not, it's not like I dislike him now at all but he hasn't I'm amazed that he got an extra year because he, he has the look just now of someone who's maybe coming to the end of their yeah their first team um, kind of use in the, in the squad and, and maybe taking a step back once we get some fresher legs in there. Um,
1: Maybe that contract next year's for him to be our fitness coach.
0: I'd, I'd take it. Mm-hmm. I'd absolutely he take it. Maybe he's a that. new sports scientist. No. I think we'd, we'd kind of covered this um, in one of the the group chat discussions. Is that I don't think anyone would particularly be against Tate just being around for a while as a squad player, but yeah, I'd, I'd agree. I think his days is a a first team starter Are coming to an end Over this This next what, five games mm-hmm. He's great cover I've Like been... He's a
2: dependable Right and left back And a wide Wide centre half You can throw him in At mm-hmm. centre half Proper if you need to He's played in Holding midfield Which Wasn't a successful Experiment But he's capable Of, of filling in He's He's I'm doing you it You yeah. need more Players like that Who can fill gaps But I don't think He should be our First choice Right or left back mm-hmm.
0: I think for me he's, he's maybe an option To chuck on When there's some tired legs For the last 20 minutes Just because his fitness levels I yeah. Fair enough He's lost a step But he's still a Really really fit guy Or To maybe fill in If there's an injury But other than that Yeah what if, if we're still Lining up women This starting Next season Something's gone terribly wrong I think It's Flynn's role This season
2: isn't it It's He's there He's capable You can trust him He's never going to Phone it in But If he's starting It's because There's a an issue with you know the kind of strength of the
1: squad mm-hmm. uh, we'll talk about another positive thing coming out of the club uh, in recent times and that's the, the youth team or the Ralston Academy um, quite a few like good stories coming out of it um, and we also can have a look at other players that are out on loan like Ciarán Offord still scoring for fun I mean I know it's the is it the Olin League? is that what it is? Olin League
0: I think so it's, I think it's the, the Lowland League yeah um, I know what you mean because seeing the, the highlights for their game at the weekend mm-hmm. with that, the second goal that he scored yeah. for the, the keeper <laughs> came out and just tried to boot him and couldn't even be harsh running back <laughs> to try and chase but then, back but
1: how, how different is, is the Lowland League to the New Zealand League yeah,
0: very true very true how, how many I've lost count of how many he's scored I think he must be on about 13 or 14 by now I was trying to find I the th- stats for that league at the weekend and they're just impossible to find It was 9 and
2: 12 last I'd, I, I knew a definite number mm-hmm. and he certainly scored I don't know, maybe 3 or 4 since then so I, I think you're probably right Probably somewhere like 13 or 14
0: mm-hmm.
2: I, I think his interview was so so refreshing so so positive to hear to be honest, this is something the club could maybe have been doing a bit more of, and I don't think it's a coincidence that they've been taking a bit of a battering about Robinson and all the rest of it, and they've they've kind of retreated <laughs> and started to put a bit more of a spotlight on some of the good stuff that will get folk back on side again. I you know I think it probably is a little bit cynical, but that's not to say it's not correct and not the right way to do it. And we should have been doing this, and we should have been shouting about this all all season. Yes. Offers mm-hmm. on a offers on a development loan. He trains with us full time, yeah. and goes out and plays with them part time. And nothing is going to get fans back on board. You know, I, I'm a fairly easy mark for this. Than having someone like that who's been touted already, who's got a bit of international recognition, who we've convinced to sign a long term contract. You would assume on the basis of of getting some first team exposure, and he's up there front and center, confident, saying, "I don't think I've." Made it because I've got this contract and because people are talking about me. I realise that the guys that I'm training with now are ahead of me and that in order for me to get ahead of them, I have to work harder than them. So when they're training, I'm training longer. When they're taking days off, I'm, I'm in and I'm working. Like that's such a refreshing attitude that's to hear. It. Yeah. We've had plenty of players come through who have been talented all the way through and then haven't really pushed on and have, have kind of gone. Gone the other way. <laughs> <laughs> I think to have someone come through who's got the talent and has already been talked about and has been held up to that level, and then to actually hear him say, "You know, I've not, I've not achieved anything yet. I'm here to, I'm here to push on and to get into the first team, and to see a manager that's listening to that, and, and to see footage. And also, it's not just the main guy that everyone's talking about. You've got is it, is it Fraser Taylor, or Daniel uh, Fraser, Fra-
1: Fra- Fraser Taylor,
2: Daniel McDonald. You had the three guys on the bench." Um, for the Rangers game. Um, Gallagher's the only one whose whose name I can remember off the top of my head. Um, but I, again from from talking to people, all of them rated, they weren't you know you can maybe call them place fillers because we had gaps on the bench, but none of them were just there because they were available, the the, the boys that made it onto the bench from from what I've been told by you know, by, by a few people, by folk that have watched games, by folk that've that um, you know, parents and, and whatever else these guys are all very capable they're all expected to you know to, to have the ability if they've got the drive to push on and to to start giving the manager decisions to make and th- that's such a positive so you know having moaned for the last half hour I, I, I think there's a real value in accepting and recognizing that there are positives that were we should hopefully be seeing sooner rather than than later I, I don't think we're going to have a squad full of 16 17 year olds next year I think we're gonna do a lot of recruitment in the summer, but it's good to know that there's there's people that are knocking the door now and, and pushing for that and who, you know, by all appearances deserve the opportunity. And and I hope that's the case. Lewis Jameson as well. Yeah. Scored again for, for Clyde at the, the weekend. It's well, yeah. it's not easier to score goals in League One. <laughs> you know, it's, it's it's not easier to put the ball away. It's that's that,
1: that's the
2: it. apparently <laughs> yeah. the most natural goal scorer we've ever seen in Scotland. Would have been the difference between us getting European football or not,
1: mm-hmm.
2: if, if you would if you'd believe certain accounts. So, not that I'm going to generalise, but would also be the same kind of people who would want Robinson sacked after seven games. <laughs> not that
0: I'm tearing everyone with the same brush, but, you know, as a year Just, Just um, back on offered for a second, I think there's maybe, like, in, uh, even in Jameson's case as well, I suppose, but there's maybe an additional bit of excitement about that type of player because it's. It's the first goal scorer, or like forward type player that we've produced in a while that's mm-hmm. that's actually looking like they're going to come through and make an impact because it's, it's been, I can't remember the last time a forward player came through the academy and done Probably, anything.
1: Uh, Stephen McGarry, that's another one I can think of. Mm-hmm.
0: Which mm-hmm. is baffling considering that was, what, 20 plus years ago mm-hmm. and we've got such a vaunted academy with such a good reputation that we don't produce forwards.
2: And it's a kind of lean time to be coming through as well. So, in all those other times where you know we've maybe not had that person coming through, we would normally have a talismanic striker that you can
1: mm-hmm.
2: you can rely on. Just now we've got Brophy, who I'm I'm still convinced is you know of the ability that we need. But it's eight goals across an entire entire season. Greaves good, I think Greaves deserves lots of chances and and deserves all of our backing. But he's, he's got a few goals. He's not. I mean, he's, he's not undroppable. Main's unplayable. So you're you're coming in at a point where he's 18. He's absolutely smashing it at a, a lower level, but he's saying the right things. He's been, he's taking his chance in front of the first team squad. It would appear he's you know he's he's getting the interest in the backing of the manager, and he's coming into a squad next year where unless we sign two top flight proven strikers why not, why Why isn't this 18 year old guy who's obviously got an eye for goal and a real bit of composure about him and a real bit of talent why is he not going to get first team games I, I think it's it's the perfect time for someone like that to come through, he could have come through five, six, seven years ago and he wasn't getting in front of Stevie Thompson and and all the rest of it, that's not who we are anymore there's a gap for someone like that now so I think this team may be
0: perfect maybe even simplifying things a bit too much. He also doesn't potentially have to compete against a random journeyman striker from Europe just because of how difficult it's obviously yeah. going to be now to sign that type of player. So straight away, there's an, another route into the first team for him.
1: Well, that's the thing, I think, I can't remember who said it before that they were going to do whether this was, it might have been Gus McPherson, it might have been probably actually Danny Lennon, where he said that utilising the youth, um, especially on the bench kind of thing allows you to spend maybe a wee bit more money on the players on the park because rather than having a budget for your first team and some backup players, like these youth players are always going to be at the club. Like they're they're there. Why not use them? Yeah, and and that allows. you like to a
0: people... Gus thing to say. I know. So
1: that's. <laughs> but I can't think who said it. Maybe it must have been Danny Lennon. He's all about the youth
2: on his island. Um, and look at look at Robinson at Motherwell as mm-hmm. as well. Like the, the players that they were capable of. Of bringing in and giving a chance to, because you had Cadden and Campbell and Turnbull and Scott and Hasty and and all these guys. You know, if you've got six, seven, eight young players in your squad who not only are good enough to provide a wee bit of competition beyond the bench, but you know that if they come in, they can make a real difference as well. You can go out and spend two strikers worth of money on Lewis Mote or, mm. or or you know whoever it was out wing, Jermaine Hilton or or. Marvin Johnson, maybe like whoever whoever these guys are, it frees you up totally. And I think I don't think it's a coincidence at all that they're they're making a bit more of a song and dance about the about the academy just now, and that Robinson's happy to get on camera talking about it and to actually commit to things and then give himself a standard to be held up against. I think that's a a, a bit of a divergence from from maybe how it was under Goodwin.
1: And I also don't think it's a coincidence that. You know, us as a podcast has always kind of mentioned the youth team, especially you, Mark, you have been right behind it as well, and how maybe Jim Goodwin doesn't do as much as he says he would and all that, especially surrounding like certain youth players. That this uh, past two weeks, uh, the Academy Twitter started following us on. So I'm just saying.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> good day, uh, good bunch of guys. <laughs> uh, I
0: don't think the, Great, the, great the, bunch the, of the lads. Thing. But I don't think the Goodwin thing is entirely a secret that he kind of at times was guilty of paying a bit of lip service. I know people will point to Dylan Reid getting a shot in the first team a few times and examples like that. But I think by and large it it speaks volumes when you had so many gaps on the bench week in, week out where it could have been filled with youth players. I know we've kind of already Mm -hmm. covered that point a few times, but it it seems as if there's been a real kind of momentum shift the past few weeks. I think it's probably one of the only positive things of the, the initial mm-hmm. few weeks of robinson's time at the club but
1: i mean if you're kieran off yeah. and Lewis jameson and you're getting punted out on loan and you're sitting watching i think we've already someone's already mentioned this fact that lee erwin is sitting on the bench you must be sitting what the fuck i need to move to kind of like there's if i can't get ahead of him on the bench yeah mm. What am I going to if do? Erwin no, can't go that, on My no, striker Erwin couldn't yeah.
0: even Get on the park mm-hmm. In his own position Was it McGrath exactly. that Come on instead of him Gogic 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 Come on Gogic Sorry I'm thinking Famous Mowin centre Parkier forward
2: Gogic. Alex Gogic <laughs> <laughs> Come on and, and that's That's exactly it I think you can talk about Giving Reid His chances And you know Five minutes against Rangers When we're getting beat 3-0 or whatever it was And A couple of starts When players were Were injured But then mm-hmm. Nowhere at other times when the squad was weak and then punted out on loan so that he's then unavailable for us for the rest of the season and within a month of that you've got you know, a couple of red cards a couple of injuries and we're mm-hmm. scrambling to get a reasonable team out a reasonable midfield out there's guys that are putting in consistently poor performances and they're just there to keep playing because there's no,
0: there's no depth start the squad
2: yeah. And you've you've not I'm not saying Dylan needs the answer, he's, he's an unproven footballer. He, he didn't play week in, week out at Queen's Park. There's you know, there's if he was the best midfielder in the country, you've got to assume he'd probably have started a few more games at Queen's Park. Mm-hmm. But I think his development and his kind of proper place based on the squad we had this year was absolutely as maybe the fourth choice centre mid mm-hmm. in our squad and actually getting some minutes instead of what we have seen at times when we've been playing three centre mids, and we've had to compromise massively to to fill those slots. I think it's I think it's criminal to be honest. I think the the offered thing as well. You can see he's unproven. He, he looked good against Celtic. When he did get his, his goal. go? Goodwin had obviously told Erwin he wouldn't play for us again. Tried to get rid of Main by all accounts. Did get rid of Dennis and Erwin. Send a guy who was playing non league football in in New Zealand and you know, like highlights were getting mentioned on Bebo or something and he's then your third choice striker. Mm-hmm. Having barely seen him ever play, and you've got a guy who's in the Scotland under seventeen squad and who's come on and played well against Celtic and you're saying, Right, well, away down to the east of Scotland, Lowland League, brought to you by Greggs and see what you can do for a few months and then we'll maybe talk in the summer. If you're still here.
0: I have to say, I never thought I'd come on to this podcast tonight and hear Bebo getting a mention.
2: (laughs) Never forget.
1: Well, love for love. And uh, we'll (laughs) move on to what we were saying kind of links up. We were talking about where Stephen Robinson had uh, his team set up at Motherwell with the youth kind of integrating really well with the more experienced, skillful players. Uh, maybe we are trying to copy that Millwall mod um, model. Uh, we've got a new chief exec is Keith Lasley. What's your thoughts mm. on that? All in I think
0: it's One that was all in favour. Yeah, one that seems to be quite unanimously well received, which is pretty strange for yeah. a group <laughs> such as Blackburn fans. Mm,
1: it's unusual, isn't
0: it? <laughs> well, and- I've, I, the thing is, I say unanimously well received. I've stopped reading the forums, so.
2: Yeah, I think you're still getting the folks in, you know, that he doesn't have any experience in this kind of job. We should be bringing in someone who's got, you know, who's got director-level experience. And it's like, wait, well, it's the same Mm, as tearing apart Robinson without actually kind of talking about in context what you're looking for here. mm -hmm. If you don't want Lassie to come in, if you don't think that's good enough, sorry, sorry, if you don't think that's good enough and you want someone who's got real chief exec experience to come in, who are you actually talking about? Are we going to go and take a chief exec or a chief operating officer from another club in the top flight? No, that's not what we're doing. It's not what we're set up to do. Is there someone at a part-time team you think could make the step up? I would say probably not. Or they would already begin talking about for the step I mean, up.
1: Yeah, if they if they'd been taken from that, they would have moaned at why we went so low. It's the same argument yeah. when you try to replace a striker. Why are we not out there signing twenty goal? plus strikers, yeah. because they cost a fortune we can't afford that, you've got to find a gem and hope that the right formation, the right coach, the right training, clicks and they start scoring goals
0: yeah. so I'll if play if Slight these guys, Devil's sorry, Slight Devil's advocate is that I, I do think initially, without but before you start looking into it too much, there's maybe some validity to the, the argument of well, where's the experience I'm not saying I entirely disagree with that even though I'm happy with the appointment but I think if you were to point the finger across any kind of figure in a position you know, higher up or in the background of a club in the top flight in Scotland, it would have probably landed on Keith Lasley anyway. And I think yeah, you're I mean, very right in what you're saying is that w- who who would have been the other standout candidate? The yeah, guy that's obviously worked, worked at... Maxwell. <laughs> the guy that's worked you know, under... Who someone who is regarded as a you know a very, very good CEO in Alan Burrows. he's gonna have learned a whole lot from his time there. He's he's worked under a a what is a really good model at Motherwell, a club that you know many, many teams in top flight aspire to to kind of match that model. So yeah, maybe initially it's valid, especially when you look at the criticism that Tony Fitzpatrick got that he wasn't qualified for the role either. But I think the two people are totally night and day apart in terms of who you're talking about here. And I think there's going to be a noticeable difference over the coming months now that we've got Lasley in charge.
2: Yeah. I mean, the, the reason I mentioned Maxwell is that he was playing part time at Thistle and they were letting him do accounts while he was doing his further education. And then once he'd done that, he got a GM job, and then once the opportunity opened up, he was chief exec, and now, you know, you know, support or or don't support what he's done at the SFA. He's now the chief executive of the SFA off the back of one job at Partick Thistle, off the back of doing a bit of admin while he was playing part-time. Like, that's how it works. If, if you don't want to give people these opportunities to step up and, and go based on, you know, character references, you know, the fact that he's doing this sports directorship, course and, and all the rest of it if you don't want to go off the back of that then what you're really saying is we need to go outside the football to try and bring someone in so the fact that someone's been the chief operating officer or chief exec at do you know a carpet company in the town or a like marketing a, agency a or something, are you saying <laughs> is, is that really is that really going to put you in a better position to take on this kind of job than than Keith Lasley kind of think this is a job where unless we're talking about an outstanding candidate and I think if that was the case we would know about it you need to go within the game and you probably need to make a personality hire you probably need to pick someone who once you've spoken to them fits the bill as to where you think you're going and there's as many mitigating circumstances as possible the fact he's worked for Dempster and Burroughs the fact that he's got from you know, by all accounts, outstanding references for what he was involved in at Motherwell across the kind of full picture of things. The fact that he's going away to, to do this further learning that he's been vocal about the fact he sees his future in that side of the game. You know, high level management as opposed to, to necessarily team management. I, I, I don't see how it's a controversial appointment. I really don't. I, I I can understand why you would have questions, and I think it's right that we do, but. The mistake is to assume that you wouldn't have those questions about literally anyone that retired. Yeah. I, I don't think there's a perfect candidate out there within our price range that you don't have to take that little bit of a risk on. What I want, I think to it's know, a sensible appointment. Is his opinion on the stadium music? <laughs> he a, said he definitely a, wouldn't get Phil Clark back. So he's got
1: my vote. Uh, Scott Mavro. Scott Mavro as well. That was a Sunderland reference, by the way, to Sunderland till I die. In case you're sitting there wondering what the hell I'm
0: talking about. <laughs> no, no. I, <laughs> I'm something I'm just to get the fainted.
2: guys going.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: I finally just finished that I know I'm about five years behind the rest of the world but I finally just finished that season it's so good (laughs) what a couple of absolute (laughs) were. I know aye
1: um, and uh, well a quick mention that VAR will be in the league halfway through next season fairly enough Um, what's your guys opinions on it see I am I've been very quiet myself on it just because i know it's going to cause so much drama and I'm i for, that's what I think, i'm for
0: i think you've kind of touched on my my first gripe with it is that why are we deciding to bring it in halfway through a season
2: yeah i think the the thing for me is that it is not going to solve arguments all it's going to do is switch switch the conversation from I can't believe that referee in real time didn't give that decision. He must be a Rangers fan or a Celtic fan or a whatever. Or a to th- how the hell's he watched that 12 times in slow motion mm-hmm. and still giving that wrong? He must be a Rangers fan or yeah. a Celtic fan. It
1: doesn't escape it. Or
2: whatever. It, it changes nothing. It's a it's a slightly different conversation, but it solves it solves no... Yeah. None of the big problems with our game will be solved by this, and I think it takes a little bit of the remaining shine off of things where we are a wee bit different to down south, we're a bit less sanitized. It takes a bit of the rougher edge off it and I don't I don't like it. I'm in favour of our generally speaking, Champions League final and Premier League and do you mean one point eight billion getting pumped into a year? Of course you want decisions to be followed right down to the nth degree when the margins are, are what they are. Like it's it's natural, it's fine. Not in Scotland. It's i don't know it just takes a bit of the romance out of
1: it you guarantee I think there's it, going it, to be a failure in the very first game that's me like, it's going to yeah. it's going to malfunction yeah. or the tv screens will go off or something mental
0: you know. right something really really tin pot but i i don't even think i think march right it, it doesn't get rid of the whole right? it must be a rangers slash celtic delete is appropriate fan when you mm-hmm. see i think it was hartson in the, the papers the other day, commenting on how they should bring up referees from England because they're going to be getting accused of bias. Like you know, that kind of accusation is never going to go away, regardless of our. But I think for me, one of the the biggest the biggest things is that it's football. You don't have to get everything right. Like by and large, unless unless you subscribe to conspiracy theories, most decisions that go against you in a season tend to even themselves out. I think that's, that's a, it's a bit of a cliche, but I think that is genuinely the case most of the time. There's obviously it's anyone that but... loses, to be honest.
1: I mean, have a look at that our season, like was mm. it last season where we had like I'd say how many penalties did we have in total that season? Like with Jimmy McGuire, 12,
2: 12, 12 or
1: thirteen. 12. How is many the one? How many of them were like proper penalties that you think were actually penalties? Like I'd say less than half because we were. A
2: Mm-hmm. A bit shit today back then. And yeah, I'm although it. remember when uh, <laughs> the, remember when was it McGabby tried to kill Lee Erwin? <laughs> that was definitely
1: a yeah. was um, Colin Queener was nearly killed as well at one point. I you yeah.
0: know. I, I. I um I think also for me it just it, it takes away it, it seems to take away the joy of I guess, celebrating a goal a wee yeah. bit. Like not, not that I'm yeah. I'm not a Liverpool or a Man City fan at all, but I remember watching the, the cup game between them a few weeks ago and I think Man City scored to put 2-1 up. And the first thing the, the commentary said was, oh, Man City think they've taken the lead here. And they were obviously just waiting the extra 20, 30 seconds for the goal to be confirmed. And I think that, for me, I think watching a team looks at where you're not affected by VAR up until now fast forward a year I think it's going to be really kind of different celebrating a goal knowing in the back of your head mm-hmm. someone's checking it, it to make sure it's all right
1: kind of feels like it will take away some of the you know the quote-unquote limbs put thing like where mm. like when they go to like a limb shot after the goal's been announced you've already kind of celebrated you are like, eh, well, it's, it's gonna look there a is, bit like that
0: yeah, yeah there is nothing worse there's nothing worse than celebrating a goal wildly and then looking up and seeing the offside flags yeah. up and you just go, ah, oh, fuck. But that's just going to be the permanent feeling now, isn't it?
1: Do you know, the, the worst part about celebrating a goal that's offside is the guy who's always like a row in front of you that turns round and goes, what up with like his hands? Like, it's like, right, mate, I've seen it now. I feel like an arsehole. Yeah. You don't need to show me that you're more superior in watching the linesman than I yeah. am. Yeah, we get it. You watch the linesman during the game. Yeah. Well done. <laughs>
2: it's 13.
0: Um,
1: Yeah, but we'll move on from that and we will be back. After this
0: Hi I'm Eamon Brophy You're listening to Misery Hunters Podcast Thanks
2: Cheer,
1: Cheers Eamon And uh Before we go to Mark Let's go to Billy
0: Hello This is Billy Mehmet And this is the Billy Mehmet Hall of Fame let dude do the dance
2: Cheers Billy Highlighting my week here isn't it It really is Um Not done much uh, Shouting about uh, This This uh, this week's Billy Mehmet Hall of Fame entrant and that's because I picked it this afternoon before we recorded and threw the stuff together but uh, having had a couple of cult heroes and and villains and panel choices and whatnot in recent weeks I decided it was time to go back to the the well of genuine all-time greats and I think the second inductee so far who's also in the official club Hall of Fame along with, um, with Sir Tony Fitzpatrick, of course. Coming into the, the Billy Memet Hall of Fame this week is Israel Campbell Money. Everyone's favourite goalkeeper. Born in the uh, deepest Ayrshire in Maybo in 1960. Before he was a saint, he was a polis. Or on his way to being a polis, but gave it up.
1: There's a link there with polis and
2: um, goalkeepers, as so not? Keepers, I'm Because yeah. there's Derek Scrimger, I think Chris Smith. Chris Smith. Yeah. Derek Scrimger probably thinks he's the best one keeper to then become a polis. <laughs> <laughs> and he's been outdone, certainly by money, in and, and some people's books, maybe by Chris Smith, but I, I, I couldn't possibly comment. <laughs> um, Yeah, but he, he jacked in uh, the whole uh, any illusions of a polis career. When uh, Alex Ferguson came calling and brought him in to to join his his fledgings at one side and then Ferguson gets sacked (laughs) (laughs) within a month of him signing Um, and and was replaced, I think, by Jim Clooney. Uh, Money made his debut almost straight away in a friendly against Southampton up against um, Ted McDougall, Peter Osgood, some some real kind of stars of that era of English football. I think it finished 1-1, made a couple of, of decent saves going by what I read earlier on. But um, for the first six years of his times with Saints, he, he was very much behind Billy Thompson in the in the, in the rankings. Um, Billy Thompson made more than two hundred appearances over that that time frame, and but but money hung on, waited his his time out. Thompson moved on to to bigger and inverted commas better things at Dundee United, and uh, I sure he was about when they were doing stuff in Europe and and whatever else, but. Did he really win out when he was the Dundee United keeper in May 1987 and Campbell Campbell Money stuck it right up him for a glorious Scottish Cup final victory. Um, He scored in the second round of the League Cup against Brecon in 1991 in a penalty shootout that we won and saw us through to the third round and obviously gave him a bit of confidence because in December 1992 he scored twice. (laughs) And penalties actually during games against Caledon, and Clyde Bank, that gives him a record of two goals in 391 appearances, which is a comparable ratio to Junior <laughs>
1: it's
2: Roughly one in every 180.5 games. Um, Junior Manias just scored two for Dagenham and Redbirds the other day. Um, you not scored a hat. You know, I, I think he was on a hat trick. I don't think he scored the hat trick. Maybe he did score a hat-trick. Stranger things have happened. For instance, Campbell Money scored in two penalties in December 1992. He, uh, he holds a St. record for most European appearances for the Saints. He, um, he said himself that the, the standout of uh, of this period was, was beating Slavia Prague, I think in the second leg in the UEFA Cup. He said any games under the lights were amazing at Love Street, but they were special in European ties. The noise was incredible. And we always felt it like could be anyone on a day in Paisley. He hung around with the Saints and ended up coaching and assist, being assistant manager before leaving um, at the age of thirty-six to go and manage Stranraer. For a few years, he, he he did similar at Air United. He had a couple of spells in the juniors, I think, mostly with Cumnock down in in my neck of the woods, and eventually had a, 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 a kind of office role with Muir now, he's most often found standing next to Ali Defoy on St Martin TV for his sins.
1: Definitely the better of the two.
2: <laughs> he um, was a regular call-up to the Scotland squad. He was mentioned often. He, he got youth caps, he got a B cap, but he never, never made a, a proper um, full international appearance. He, um, he almost went to the 1986 World Cup with Alex Ferguson, but I think was I think was injured just before the, the World Cup, and so didn't make it out of the provisional squad. He, um, this does mean that he has fewer there are he has fewer Israel Scotland appearances than Oliver Burke. How uh, how does that work for you? that's a tenuous uh, <laughs> a tenuous joke there about his real name. and that just rolled off the tongue there. So uh, so smooth, Alan leave it as I normally do in the words of the man himself who on the subject of his so close but so far relationship the national team said even if I'd played in a full international for Scotland it wouldn't have surpassed the feeling of winning the Scottish Cup with Saints in front of a 50,000 plus crowd the biggest crowd I played in front of in my entire career. Welcome to the Hall of Fame, Gamble Money Welcome Clap, 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 clap Club. Bam, that was beautiful.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: What a man! Big uh, Israel.
1: I like when this part. Do you know what I like about this part of the podcast? I just sit back and it's like story time. It's just like, okay, Yeah.
2: sends everyone off to sleep. It's nice, isn't it? Yeah, it's a good
1: way yeah. to end the
0: podcast. I, I, I'm I'm still uh, trying to process that. His first name is Israel. I think we need to point that out for some folk that will be listening. Going, what did he say?
1: Yeah, especially when you put it in the group chat and I made a joke and no one realised what joke I was making. <laughs> They thought I was
2: just being anti-Israel the crazy thing is that Billy Thompson's real first name's Palestine
1: <laughs> 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 uh, well, there we go. Um, see if that makes the edit <laughs> I'm not editing in no, this is the perfect podcast <laughs> uh, miseryhunters.co.uk for our merch you can read Andrew Christie's latest blog on there as well and um, we put all our we should mention this and just in case you didn't realize we put all our podcasts now on youtube so mm-hmm. see, even if you don't want to listen to it on youtube still go subscribe because like once we hit a certain subscriber level we can actually start doing a wee bit more on youtube which would be quite cool uh down the line mm-hmm. uh but uh, as always do you know what's annoying i spent the past five minutes trying to think of someone else to say and uh, all i can think is uh, fuck alex ray
0: the Rangers football club songbook and anyone who thinks singing god save the queen at a football match in Scotland is a good idea. Do you know what
1: before you jump in Mark with yours I worked with a guy this this is what really annoys me I worked with a, a guy who didn't actually like football until he was about 18. He joined the the O2 shop that was full of Rangers fans, and um, started following Rangers and when I asked them. Do you know, he sang God Save the Queen in many, many Rangers games, but never once in his life has sung Flower of Scotland.
2: They sang God Save the Queen during the game last weekend in response to Flower of Scotland. They booed Flower of Scotland, getting sung by our fans, and then sang God Save the Queen. <laughs> aye, aye, aye. But you know, by all means, carry on. Um, fuck Mark McGee's Radiators. Podcast Network.